Welcome to Wild Quincy, a podcast that looks into the little-known and forgotten past of Quincy, Illinois. From flooding to fictional box stores, Quincy has made its mark on the small screen. But what other events have given Quincy its own 15 seconds of fame? Find out next here on Wild Quincy. Now, here's your host, Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Travis, I am so excited to be back for another episode of Wild Quincy. And thanks for sending me those brownies, by the way. Those are, I haven't had a chance to eat them yet, but they look really good. Oh, dude, they're sickly delicious. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we appreciate everybody listening to our last episode, one of our biggest episodes to date, talking about Michael Swango and uh, learned a lot. And we learned a lot in our Patreon episode, too. So if you haven't heard of the Patreon episode, and you're not a member, head over there, check that out, because uh, we've uh, added a lot of extra stuff to it. And we're still digging into stuff about Swango as well. So I'm sure we'll have some more for you coming up at our season review at the end of the season. And speaking of the season, season two, Travis, we are... Uh, Already, uh, this is getting us closer and closer to the quarter mark already of being through uh, almost uh, three, four episodes of Wild Quincy. It's just scooting right on by. It's a, it's a killer season already, Chris. The puns are just flying, man. Aren't they? Fast and loose, <laughs> fast and loose. Hey, it's the start of a podcast. You know what that means, Chris. It's time for the question of the day. You've been them hard to me, pitching them rather. So we're going to take a, take a change of pace here, and I'm going to throw it to you for the question. Ooh, do I need a pen and paper? I don't think so. I'll okay. recap. It'll be all right. Okay. okay. All right. I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Which small Adams County town served as home to the Adams County Almshouse, or the Adams County Poorhouse, as it was also known? And this was from the late 1800s until the early 1900s. You have four options here. Okay. The first one, A, is Marceline, B, Kellerville, C, Lorraine, and D, is Coatesburg. One of these towns served as the home of the Adams County Almshouse, or Poorhouse, from uh, the 1800s until mid uh, early mid-1900s. So, ponder that for a bit. And Give we'll, us the, what was our choices again? We have A, Marceline, B, Kellerville. C, Lorraine, or D, Coatesburg. So think Ooh, about that's that. That's a tough one. Think about that. It seemed like none of those towns seems like it should be big enough. No, but we'll have to wait till the end of the episode to find that out, man. You got me scratching my head, Travis, on that one. So right. uh, we'll have to find that out coming up a little bit later on. But uh, we're going to talk about in just a few minutes about some TV. We're going to talk about Quincy on TV with special co-host Chad Douglas, and that's coming up next here on Wild Quincy. Here's what you missed on the latest After Hours episode of Wild Quincy. She uh, went to change the locks and hire a security guard upon his departure, so that tells you how bad it was. He left a parting gift for her in that uh, he ended up filling her car full of sugar. Oh, her gas, the gas tank? Yeah. Oh, that's, so that, that's less weird than just like the inside of her car. <laughs> the seats. Like, he, didn't, he didn't quite understand the concept there, I guess. Our After Hours episodes are available exclusively for Patreon members by going to Patreon.com slash Wild Quincy. 
For just a couple dollars a month, not only will you double the amount of Wild Quincy episodes at your fingertips, but you'll also be supporting our efforts as we continue to dive into the wild and crazy history of our favorite town. Also, as a Patreon member, you can take part in our live events and Patreon-only outings, as well as having access to our regular episodes two days before they are released to the public. It's easy. Just head to patreon.com slash wildquincy. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash wildquincy and become a wild thing today. Hey, this is Jeff. I like my podcast like I like my underwear when I rarely wear it. And that would be wild. Wild Quincy, that is. Welcome back to Wild Quincy, and we are greatly proud to be joined by none other than Chad Douglas. Chad, how are you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for the uh, invite back. It's exciting that I get to be the first ever return guest on Wild Quincy. Me and you had a chance to talk a few days ago, and uh, I think you rubbed it into one of our other former co-hosts' faces that you were going to be our first repeat guest. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Rodney Hart. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i haven't seen chris Dewar yet to rub it in his face so oh yeah yeah you have to do that as well so uh and travis of course you're you've been returning every every week so we're good there i just keep sitting here in the corner and nobody's kicked me out yet so <laughs> i'll just keep doing what i'm doing so first of all before we get started in our list with the uh quincy on tv uh, chad we want to talk about the uh stuff that you've got going on obviously you're still with salvation army correct I am, yes. I've, uh, over a year now, a year and a couple months. So that went by fast. Congratulations. Yeah. That's great. Thank Congrats. you. And then the second part of that is that uh, can we can we spill the beans a little bit that you got something in the works? <laughs> I guess. Um, I'm in development for a, a podcast of my own. And um, we're actually set to record here in the next uh, few days, uh, episode one. And we've got several mapped out. And it's a, it's a very specific topic but it's one for the general public. It's about childhood anxiety and the trials and tribulations that some kiddos go through. Um, a lot of people think if, if a child exhibits some sort of quote unquote bad behavior that they must be a, you know, a bad kid or it's ADHD. Well, as it turns out, it's more than likely probably anxiety or could be depression or OCD. They all kind of run together. And uh, my family has experience with that. And I have a friend who's a therapist uh, who was also a very anxious kiddo. And so we've teamed up and we're going to put together this podcast. And so I say it's, it's a very specific target audience, but it's really something for the general public because, you know, we'll go out to the grocery store or to a restaurant and my son will do things that's like, you know, hey, buddy, settle down. But it's just, he's anxious because he's out in public and that's the way he's handling it, where people might look at you and judge you and be like, oh, they're not really parenting the way they should. Um, but it's more of just an understanding of, of mental illness, especially in children who don't have the the means or the vocabulary to express what's going on in their little bodies. So I'm really excited about it. I, I um, When I was at KHQA the last seven years, I kind of prided myself on talking about subjects people found taboo or didn't want to talk about. 
And I scratched the surface of mental health toward the end with a suicide prevention series, a five-part series. So to, to spread awareness of things that people don't like to talk about or find taboo is, is something that I really, really enjoy. So I'm excited to get this off the ground. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be great. You gave me the opportunity to listen to your uh, little open or the opener for your podcast. And I was like, ooh, man, this is really good. I'm excited about this. So yeah, uh, it should be good. And, and once you guys get going, obviously, we'll uh, give you some love here on oh. Wild Quincy as well. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. We are ready to kick into this. And Travis, I'm going to let you first discuss this, uh, uh, <laughs> the process of right. how we decided right. how we're going to do this. Well, do we, do we want to share our, our uh, first attempt and then our decision? Yeah. Okay, well, let's let's go behind the curtain. Well, here. we decided how do, how do we best present this information to the listening audience? Chris had the idea of a ranking system, and I'm like, sure, okay. And so then I started to try and rank all these random <laughs> TV appearances and realized that I have no idea how to rank any of these things. They are so <laughs> diverse, and how do you even compare a two-minute segment versus like a half-hour program, you know? So so I, I did... But it really, I'm. Not, it's not something I'll stand behind very, very uh, close. Anyways, <laughs> so instead we decided let's just kind of go around the table. I know there are some topics that are uh, duplicates, I guess you could say, just the same subject through a different lens. And I figure we kind of group those together once someone brings one up, and we're just kind of go around here, talk about these things, and essentially what the, Chris said. This is Quincy-related things that made, the, and <laughs> there's a little bit of uh, scrutiny on national tv <laughs> mm. um some of this is obviously cable i mean it's even going into the netflix category in some areas but that's the long version of, of how we decided <laughs> to present what we're going with do we want to get started here chris well yeah i think you pretty much hit everything right perfectly there the only thing i would actually you you kind of mentioned that last part i think it's something we should dig into travis you and i had a discussion uh, <laughs> leading up into this and it was kind of a, a a very um i don't know what the right word is we were i think we were very passionate about our thoughts in this and but we it was a actually a text discussion but we were like what's the definition of what we're looking at and and does it just have to be network or you know can a netflix apply or you know well if it if netflix does apply then what about stuff that's you know on the internet, the internet or related, yeah. a, a website or some sort of video on a website. And then I was like, well, if you do a video on the website, then you kind of have to go into the YouTube world. And I was like, we're going to do an episode on YouTube someday down the road. So that won't work. <laughs> so it came into a question of where exactly the line is. And I think our line really came down to it has to be something that if you're living in uh, you're living in San Francisco and you have basic cable or you have uh, a Netflix password, you're able to access this. I think that's what it came if out to. It can win an Emmy. Oh, yeah. Oh, interesting. That, okay, yeah. that was my counter on the Netflix debate was, well, they're winning Emmys. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. I'm sure everyone probably has an opinion on the matter. But regardless... No. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, no one ever voices their opinion no. on social media. And if you want to not voice your opinion, feel free to. <laughs> How about we get in here, guys? What do you think? Do podcasts uh, get Emmys? Do they have they started Emmys for podcasts? There's awards. I forget what the name of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Chris, you have one. You have it's two called of them. The, yeah, what it's the called the Communicator Awards. Communicator, I'm right. looking at them over there. Yeah, look at them behind, on the shelf behind me. Wait, let me read them. 
Oh, this thing right here? Oh, yeah. oh you're talking about the shiny thing. Oh, man, that was a that was a shameless plug. I'll wow. take it. Wow. Hey, Chad, give, give him a second. He's got to adjust his headphones real fast. Yeah. Sure. They, uh, yeah, they, they need to be expanded a little bigger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. All right, so we'll get started on here uh, with the list. Boy, I, I think I'll kick things off, Travis. That works for you. Bring it. And I'm going to I'm gonna steal one that I it really hit me at first. And because, as most people know, that I'm also not only doing these podcast things, but I also have an interest in the paranormal and ghost hunting and all that stuff. So when a uh, show by the name of Paranormal State came to Quincy back in 2007 and 2008. That was a good episode. It was actually uh, the title of the episode for this uh, Paranormal State episode, that is, is called I Am Six. It had to do with a girl named Laura who was tormented by spirits since the fall of 07. Travis, I know you had that on your list as well. Not only did I have that on my list, but I was in school with Laura. Oh. And and it was not only did they have that one episode that I know of, but they also had some revisits as well afterwards. Uh, and so the you know you hear about the I Am Six episode, but uh, you don't really hear about them coming back multiple times after that as well. Now I know Chris, this was on A and E. Do you know if we mm-hmm. can find that anywhere? If it streams or I don't know, I I know A and E. I may. believe it's on their app. You might be able to access it? it, but I think it's one of those situations if you have a like a cable subscription or one of those deals where you can download the app but you got to prove a, you're a uh, a subscriber sure. to the local affiliate yeah. cable channel. Have you seen that Chad? I haven't and I remember at KHQA we we covered it. We did a story on it, but I I've never seen the episode. It's it's honestly though it's just I don't know Travis. It was kind of a scary episode. It was that pretty sounds scary. Anything anytime you start talking about, you know, the concept of a demonic possession um, that raises the hair on your arms a little bit. And I mean, it was, it hit pretty close to home for me yeah. just because, I mean, we, Laura and I went to high school together and we were both really big into art. And so we mm. shared a lot of the same art classes and she's a very talented artist, huh. but it was just, it was so strange because we didn't really keep up. We weren't super close. And then the next time I, I see her, it's on paranormal state. She's on a and, and it's just yeah. like, wow. Okay. Well, hey, Laura. Ain't that something. And then they also had some great shots, and I think that's something we're going to talk about in a lot of these different ones that we're going to be discussing, is that, you know, anytime you see a place that you potentially have driven by or you've been into and you see it on national television, it's pretty neat. Now, there was a church, and I don't remember which church it is. I think it's like, I I want to say it's like ninth in state or 10th in state. Salem. Is that it? Yeah. The big tall one, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that church is very. I believe that's one of the churches, isn't it, Travis? Or is it St. Francis that they went to? You know, I, I couldn't say for sure. I would say it was one of the two, judging by the architecture. I was going to say St. Francis, but that was just a guess. Well, because wasn't part of it too was a uh, exorcism. Yeah, they did an exorcism in the house. So yeah. that that would that would scream St. Francis yeah. to me, yeah. over Salem, but. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. But I mean, you know, as an old TV guy myself, you you show things and they might not necessarily be accurate. They might have loved the architecture of the Salem Church because it is a beautiful church as a St. Francis. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just to kind of cover the, the video portion of it. Quit church shaming, Chad. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, kind of the opposite of a, a show called Relentless based in Hannibal, but we'll leave that for another oh, day. You, you know, though, you mentioned that because I grew up in Hannibal and I watched Relentless and seeing some of the, the drone video and even some of the street video, it's like it looked like a different town. 
Mm-hmm. It's weird to see it from that perspective of kind of an artsy, I guess, perspective of, of how they, they get it. And I mean, you never see a town from above anyway. So yeah. but it was, it's, it is interesting to watch kind of going back, Travis, what you said with Laura of knowing her. And I knew some of the people in Relentless yeah. and it's just, it's kind of weird to see them displayed and, and stuff on the national level. Yeah. You're, you're getting a small, a small piece of the, the person. And that's always tough to look at it with some kind of a biased right. perspective. Well, hold on. You bring up, I, I know we need to move on, but you bring up a really interesting thought, Chad, is that Uh-oh. even though you spent so many years on TV, you still have that thought about other people when it's on national TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually had that thought as I was saying that. Yeah. It's, I, I, and I don't know how to explain it. It's, I think it's because. I don't know. When you see them on local TV, it's, I mean, it's still cool to see somebody on TV, right? Yeah. But then when you get something on the national level, you just, you just see where it, and I, I don't want to give away too much of what we're going to talk about, but there's a couple other shows that we're going to mention that was the same way. It's, it's a national show. And when you see the video and stuff of your hometown or whatnot, it's just, it's different. Yeah. 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 Huh. That's interesting. And even, even when you see the people that you're like, huh, <laughs> they're on my TV. <laughs> You know, that, I know we, we'll move on, but uh, that brings up another thought. Chad, we need to have it on Patreon because we asked Jennifer that question, and I'm gonna we're going to have to ask you that. We'll wait till Patreon talking about, you know, when you were growing up, who you, who your people you looked up to. So we're going to have to ask you that. <laughs> Jennifer Max. We'll no, I'm kidding. <laughs> she, she, she would kill me because we're, we're, we're fairly close to the same age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. All right, Travis, you're up next. Give us your thoughts. All right. This, this is probably one of my favorites and it would be the uh the tv show feasting on asphalt on the food network uh, hosted by alton brown the culinary mastermind behind a lot of different programs and a part of those and he was going uh believe this one was up and down the mississippi they were pretty much riding motorcycles and just stopping at different towns and just kind of road food or kind of kind of interesting eats along the way and it appeared that they just happened to be passing through Quincy and it wasn't necessarily going to be a definitive location for shooting. And someone mentioned to them that a made right uh, place still existed. And this rang a bill of familiarity, I guess, with Alton. And so they kind of did a 180 and ended up shooting a, a wonderful segment there in the local made right. He actually was in the kitchen, you know, being instructed on the proper way to make made rights and had a bit of a taskmaster for a <laughs> for a teacher. I'm not sure if she wasn't comfortable being on camera, but she seemed pretty, pretty strict and didn't cut any corners. And I think Alton had a fun time playing with that dynamic. Have you guys seen that chunk of video? I have not. I saw the chunk with Mater. I, I didn't really didn't really dive deep into it, but I did look up and you can go on Wikipedia and you can look at each one of his locations is where he's been uh, for that episode. And I did find it kind of neat of the locations he went to because another one was Fast Eddie's, which if you're mm-hmm. from this oh, area, sure. you know Fast Eddie's. But then he did a lot of times with a couple different donut places. Like there's a place called the Donut Drive-In in St. Louis. I'm like, okay, it's on Chippewa. I need to go check that out if it's still around. <laughs> yeah, right. Did you get to see the episode, Chad? No, I didn't. Again, we covered it at KHQA, but I never watched the episode. I, you know, we cut our cable years ago, so anything like the A and E, and I didn't even know what uh, the Food Network. I pff, haven't seen that stuff in years. But I just, you know, hats off to the the Maid Right. I mean, that's a Quincy institution. It does feel like that somebody else has featured Maid Right, and now that I think about it. It's possible. I had that suspicion myself, but I couldn't find anything. Indefinitely. Well, so many people outside the Midwest have no idea what a Maid Right is. 
Yeah. Well, it's different things now because the the chain itself continued and evolved into a more modern uh, establishment. In other places, there's nothing local. I don't know where the nearest would be, but it's a very modern establishment. And you talk made right, anybody who's familiar with the new stuff doesn't understand exactly how you're basically stepping into a time machine when you walk (laughs) in the front door. I know. It's one of the things I love about it. It's a beautiful thing. It'll kill you, but it's a fun ride. (laughs) All in moderation, Travis. There you go. There you go. Now, you guys, give me the definitive answer on this because I've heard it both ways. And I think there's a confusion because this, the name of the business is Made Right. Is that a chain restaurant? I believe the story is it. what they were all or the new Made Right and the existing Made Rights started as the same chain. I believe that the franchises kind of broke apart. And I think the Quincy chain just continue to operate independently if that's okay if i'm understanding it right chad do you have any insight in that the only thing i can add to that is i the mark twain dinette there's pictures inside there of it used to be a made right oh, really? with a, a quincy hannibal connection you know, that doesn't necessarily say chain that might say a local owner who had both you that know? could be that could be and think about this there may be some people that are listening to this that didn't realize there was a second made right location in quincy oh, at one point yeah. in time Yep, you know, right. and is the building still there? Yeah, it's me jalapeno. You yeah, wouldn't recognize right. it. They've done a mm-hmm. lot of work and painted it with what appears to be a highlighter. But <laughs> it's I, I kid because I care. I, I love the alambre. Check it out if you're looking for some tasty treats. Oh, good stuff. All right, well, let's move on. Chad, right. what is uh, what do you think? Where's oh, your I'm, spot? At? I'm going to start with one that's fun and uh, one that's a very popular show and Wheel of Fortune. There's been a handful of folks. There's even been some people on Price is Right. I, just, I know I had a former neighbor in Hannibal who was on Price is Right, but I couldn't include it in Wild Quincy. So let's see. Back in 2011, Quincy native Alexandra McNay won $5,600 on Wheel of Fortune. In doing the, re- the research for this, I uh, went to the KHQA website and I put in Wheel of Fortune and found out. And I did a Skype interview with Alexandra about her appearance on Wheel of Fortune. Oh, so, wow. How about yeah, that? I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and then in 2017, Quincy teacher Ben Dombrowski participated. He was actually the top winner of that episode and walked away with more than $28,000 in cash and prizes. So wow. doing Quincy proud there and having some fun on Wheel of Fortune. Way to go. I got to ask, Chad, who was the neighbor in Hannibal on Price is Right? Her name was Anna Baker. Um, And this was back in the early 2000s. And this is back, I grew up in Monkey Run, which is about three miles south of Hannibal in a little village called Alaska. And she was uh, in Monkey Run with me. So when I was just a little time. I'm going to have to stop the breaks. Monkey Run? Monkey Run. Yeah. Was that a a village or a town or what was it? It's like a little neighborhood. And so, yeah, Alaska is down south of Hannibal, and it was built. I'm familiar with Alaska, but the monkey run really caught me off guard, and I really love it. So here's oh. the story that I heard <laughs> of how it got its name, whether or not it's true. I don't know, but Alaska built for Eastern European immigrants who came to America to work for the cement plant. And Alaska is an acronym for the uh, elements, as I count six or seven elements that are in um the cement making process. So it's like iron, oh. limestone, uh, silica. Oh boy. I shouldn't have started that. And the rest. You can trail yes, off. And the rest <laughs> of them, right? Yeah. We can cut this. Right. Um, and then, so as the story goes with all the European um, immigrants, not everyone got along. And so there would be like, you know, there was a tavern. And so people do a little drinking, they get in some fights and the folks who lived in monkey run would run away. And so one of the like cut downs for them was, Oh, run you monkey run. 
And so oh, then it became wow. Monkey Run. Whether or not that's true, that's what my grandma always told me. So That might be my favorite little local tidbit I've heard in a long time. I'm sorry, I derailed you a little bit. No, no problems. My new podcast, Wild Monkey Run, coming out uh, <laughs> September of 2021. We'll definitely get up there. Um, I did uh, so. I did do a little research on this because I, I saw that on your list, Chad. And I there's a, a, a website that's called Andy's or Andy N W O F dot WordPress dot com. This guy literally goes through every single episode of Wheel of Fortune and tells you exactly what happened in that episode. Oh, Andy oh. has a lot of time on his hands. He must. I mean, he goes all the way back to 2012, and he's still keeping it updated even as of today. I did look this up. So he did make it to the final round. We're talking about uh, Ben. What was Ben? Mm-hmm. And uh, he made it to the final round. I'm trying to make sure I got the right one here. Yeah, that's Alexandria. So it was a category phrase, and he didn't get much help. His words, or letters he chose were C, D, M, and O. And it didn't really help him out much because it was going to be the word or the answer was high point of my day. Oh, and he didn't get that. So, okay. uh, but uh, he would have would have won an extra hundred thousand dollars if eh, he would have done that. Not so. necessarily a high point of his day then, if you well lose a hundred grand. Yeah, exactly. And the twenty eight hundred or twenty eight thousand he won wasn't too bad to start. Yeah, with, so. almost twenty nine. Yeah. It's twenty eight thousand seven ninety. So that's pretty cool. And then I, Alexandria or Alexander uh, Alexandria Is Alexandra. Alexandra, that's it. She won. I did look this up. She did win fifty six hundred dollars. Yeah, not too shabby. Yeah, not too bad at all. You can't complain about that. No. Nope. So we'll move on. I'm going to go. What do I want to do here? I think I'm going to do this. I wasn't even going to put this on the list. Travis brought it up. And so I'm going to go ahead and talk about it. And the reason <laughs> I wasn't going to originally talk about it was because I know this was put on TV. Most likely it was like an ESPN or a, you know, some sort of sp- outdoor channel but in uh, i believe is in 1996 the bass masters federation came to quincy to fish on the mississippi river and you can look this up we'll have this on our website uh, they did a video it's like a 22 minute video so it was made for tv and then again like i don't know where exactly it was placed at but uh they did this bass masters tournament in quincy and uh, it made it on to tv Today, the Bassmasters heads to Quincy, Illinois, and the Mississippi River for the 1996 Wrangler BASS Federation National Championship. It all takes place along a 100-mile stretch of this mighty river, where the legend of Tom Sawyer and Huck Finn was first spawned. But these 49 national and international qualifiers know that from here can come a true legend. So, Travis, you got a kick out of that. I wasn't going to even say anything, but since you said something about it. I don't know where it was originally placed, but I'll tell you where it lives, Chris, and that's in my heart. Because in there, (laughs) you see the most amazing, the early 90s, mid-90s kind of just beautiful like aesthetic of Quincy and just the fashions of the 90s. And, boy, brought back some... I won't say painful, but like, oh, I think I owned a windbreaker like that when I was that age. But I mean, if you're not a fishing person, maybe not up your speed, but it's just you got to see a lot of Quincy back then. And uh, I thought it was a fun trip. I, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did, Chris. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad that, that, that you enjoyed it. Uh, so, yeah, that was kind of a, a shot in the dark finding that Bassmasters video. Travis, we'll move on to you. What do you got? Well, I'm glad you asked. I'm going to unfortunately <laughs> have to turn the tables a little bit from the lighthearted stuff. 
and talk about the horrific accident that happened out at the airport mm-hmm. um, with the two planes. This was an episode called Fatal Transmission, and it appeared on the Smithsonian Channel. It looks like the release date was March 5th, 2017. And it was basically a dramatized kind of reconstruction of the airline crash at Baldwin Field on November 19th, 1996. It's hard to revisit that on just the horrendous situation where they they spend a good amount of time talking to the first person on the scene who could hear the people in the you know the plane you know trying to get out but i believe the door was jammed and uh, they ended up perishing at the same moment flight instructor paul walker is in a hangar at quincy airport max reverse oh christ what the hell we heard this explosion that that rattled the walls and windows shook and as i came outside what i saw looked like a mushroom cloud from when you see the films of the atomic bombs going off boy that that was it's tough to go back and look at that kind of stuff but still it's an important part of i guess quincy's history it's something too travis that so much was learned from that and you hate to to think of the loss of life but then you also go of of the lives in the years since that may have been saved because of different training protocols and different safety protocols that were put into place so it's a great point you know it's just i guess a different way to look at it but definitely a dark part of quincy's history for sure and i will say this i think that it you know it may not have as much of a a historical impact on the average person that lives in this area. But Chad, I know you said something about it. Jennifer brought it up when we talked to her and and multiple people that were in the media world brought that up. I think in tell me if I'm wrong, it feels like that instance and that what happened then is actually had such a huge impact on Quincy media and how the media felt about that. Maybe not as much for the people as it did for the media. Well, and I mean, it, it happened a little bit before my time. I was in college there. Mm-hmm. Um, odd story, very odd story, probably a waste of time. But I'm in college at Western Illinois University, Macomb, and happened, of course, at nighttime. And we begged the chair of our department, like, can we take some camera equipment and, and go cover it and, and everything? And they're like, no, we'll just get what we what, what WGM does. We'll We'll use that on our newscast. And I'm going like, I kind of want the experience of a breaking news event. Yeah. You know, so I can only speculate on, on things, but I'm going in 1996. There wasn't a lot of live TV coverage other than maybe some live shots from the fair or, or fire or something like that. But when you had something that big and that big of loss of life from the media standpoint of getting that and getting things to work because back then, you know, now you can go live from a cell phone and it looks mm-hmm. better than it did in 1996 when you use microwave technology where you had the big van with the big mast 60 feet in the air or whatever and a beam back the signal. I mean, that was, that was a process. And so to get a live shot off and to do it for multiple hours, multiple days was a feat. Absolutely. Uh, I, the other thing I do want to point out real quick, and you know, I'm going to go ahead and do this. If I well, and we'll have it on there. I'll go ahead and tell you this now. Chad gave me a video of uh, one that we're going to talk about coming up in a little bit. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead because it's back when uh, he was on the morning show. I think it was uh, ninety or 2003, and we'll have that posted. But one of the one of the um, I don't know what the right word is. News, the stories, one of the pieces that was on that morning show that morning was a look back because it was the 50th anniversary for KHQA as well that year. And they went back and interviewed old uh, reporters and anchors that were on KHQA. And the one that they did that morning was going back and talking to 
the first reporter from KHQA that was on the scene. Brian Volter. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. they, that was an interview that morning. So there is some video that we'll have. I'm going to go ahead and post that on our uh, YouTube channel so you'll be able to see that whole morning show and you'll be able to see that as well. It's kind of crazy incident, the accident that I come I'm across something we're talking about as when we're looking and doing something else. But we'll have that on there too. It's kind of amazing to look at. All right. I was thinking, Travis, I was going to go like sad, but then I was like, I'll wait another round. So I'm glad that you broke the ice on that. There you go. There you go. So now we'll go to Chad. Chad, I believe you're up. Okay. So I was going to go with a serious topic too, but now since you brought up the the broadcast, I think I'll do that because I was, <laughs> okay. it was since we didn't rank, but this was going to be my, my favorite one, but it was when the CBS early show, their morning news program. Now it's called CBS this morning, but back then it was a CBS early show broadcast from Quincy. And I'm Harry Smith on the banks of the Mississippi in Quincy, Illinois, where 10 years ago this month, this part of the country was hit with the worst flooding in U.S. history. We'll have an update on the floods of 93 early this Wednesday morning, July 30th, 2003. It was for the 10-year anniversary of the Great Flood of 93. Bring up the flood of 93 because back in 93, the Today Show was here and CBS and ABC and CNN, they were all here for that. But to come back 10 years and Harry Smith, who was one of the anchors for CBS early show came back and he just has a soft place in his heart for Quincy. And Harry is such a genuine man, very kind person. And I had a conversation with him uh, in New York. I then went to do some stuff with the early show and chatted with him. And he was so hard to talk to because he was so intelligent just to carry on a conversation with. You could just tell, I was like, well, I'm a little, you know, you're, you're a little above <laughs> my pay grade here for education on, on worldly events. But when he came, so then we did our show, KHQA this morning, live from Clad Adams Park. He was part of it. And then their show was after ours. And he highlighted Quincy in the, in the best way. And it's just fun from my background to see national news folks come in, meet them. Some are nice, like Harry, some are not. There was also one uh, weird story. Tracy Smith is now on CBS uh, Sunday morning, and I just appreciated her work very much. She was a great storyteller. And so I'm talking to Harry's crew, like his producer and stuff. And I'm just like, man, do you know Tracy Smith? She's one of my favorites. And he's like, that's my wife. I'm like, what? Oh, wow. So wow. He calls her up and just hands the phone to me. So I'm like, hey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It was cool. Yeah. And she wow. was super awesome too. So yeah. Jeez. So, Chad, let me ask you this question. I don't know if you'll know the answer to it, but I'm hoping maybe you have some insight, especially going into the TV world. I can Why fake it. was Yeah, or fake it. Fake <laughs> it till you make it. it. It was weird that there was a lot of national like media. So, like you mentioned, the Today Show and CBS Early Show and all those guys in 93 focused on Quincy. Do you know why? Was there a specific reason why Quincy was chosen? Was it a logistical or technical standpoint or was it a more of a a story standpoint. I think it was more of a convenient standpoint. Quincy being the bigger city of the tri-states, they were able to fly in to the airport. Some of them, some of them came up from St. Louis, but then they used Quincy as their base. And when Harry was here in 93, he would go out to Hull and he did stories down there and he would go to the sandbagging of the levees all up and down the Mississippi, but then would come back to Quincy. And that's where the TV stations were. I mean, he could mm. use our facilities to, for lack of a better term, beam things back to New York. Because again, there's no internet in 1993 where you could just upload it to Dropbox or something and they they could yeah. get it within seconds. So that was probably the main reason Quincy got it. Because as you guys know, I mean, Quincy doesn't flood like the other cities. Yes, right. down the low lying in the bottoms area and, and stuff will. But, it, you know, in 93, it was, Quincy was 
fine compared to Hull and to Monkey Run and other places up and down the river Keokuk. So yeah, Quincy was probably just based off of television stations were here. Yeah, I was wondering if there was that there was a logistical like behind the curtain TV standpoint. But yeah, I guess, you know, if you're going back to 93, the only only way they're getting their stories beamed to New York or wherever their main place is at is by by satellite at that point in time. Right, right. right. Interesting. OK, I, I thought there was some technical background. I do have yeah. a question, Chad. Sure. I, I think I missed the part. I watched that clip again uh, of Harry and Quincy. I couldn't help but notice all the, the big kind of entourage of people behind him were those I, I must have missed the part if they they addressed it on the clip of who they were but would you any idea who all those people were they associated with the, the flood fighting efforts or who were those I people think, i think it was just and i haven't seen this clip for years um, <laughs> i didn't recognize any if faces <laughs> if it's the clip you're looking at my my now wife and mother-in-law are in that uh we weren't married okay. at the time but we were uh engaged i think and my wife is a journalism major so she really liked harry smith as well so okay. they came down yeah, i yeah, think yeah. it was just you know part of the early show which you could go in new york on the plaza and be on tv oh, right, come right, out with right. You. So they were just recreating that. It was just a group of folks who wanted to to come see Harry. And again, I can't speak <laughs> highly enough of Harry Smith. I saw him again just a few years ago at an Iowa News Broadcasters Association. He was the guest speaker, and I went up and reintroduced myself to him. And you know, it, it took a couple stories where he's like, "Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember." And he still spoke very highly of Quincy. I I, <laughs> I found myself thinking. Boy, you could really see the river if they would just get out of the way. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm like, I get it. Maybe the recognition, you know. But sorry, my editor eye <laughs> in the back of my mind. <laughs> you will see this uh, when we upload this. But in chat, I know you haven't watched it yet. But the show, the morning show that you were doing that morning, you guys were promoting people to come down to the riverfront yeah. and see what was going yeah. on that morning as well. So I think that may have helped oh, a little bit along yeah. the lines sure. too. And I didn't realize this. And again, kind of behind the curtain and maybe we don't want to go too in depth with it, but I didn't realize there was a tape delay of when that show mm -hmm. actually started compared to, because you guys actually said in that, uh, in that, you know, day that like they're on an hour tape delay. So you're going to be seeing stuff from an hour before. I didn't realize it. Right. That. So when you watch any of the network shows now, they all start at seven o'clock our time, right? That's an hour ago because they start at seven o'clock East coast time. So we get it an hour late, which is why sometimes if you pay really close attention, when you're in the middle of a broadcast and they'll do a breaking news, and then one of the anchors is on where maybe they were somewhere else a couple minutes ago or something. So, you, you know, if you're kind of in tune to that kind of stuff, you can see little things that they're, that they're doing oh. and, you, and you know, when it's recorded, but you know, it's either that or we would lose the last hour of our show because they would be on at six o'clock our time. Oh, see, I never knew yeah. that. I never realized that. So that's pretty mm -hmm. neat. Again, behind the curtain guys, you're learning stuff mm -hmm. that you may have never known before. <laughs> Maybe not to care about it all, but I think it's interesting. <laughs> so I guess we will move on. And I think I am up if that is correct. <laughs> so. I'm going to do this one. I think we can probably do one more round after this. Uh, this one here is a pretty quick one. I don't have a lot of information about it. <laughs> again, I'm going to tell you a funny background story first. Uh, Chad and I, again, we're, we're, we got together to exchange some stuff a few days ago. And I said, well, I found this one that was called George Michael's Sports Machine. And he looks at me. He's like, the singer? I'm like, 
No, I would I love to see George that, Michaels. <laughs> yeah, you gotta have faith. Yeah, so we had to look it up, and it, it was we we were like maybe it, we know it was Michaels, but we thought it was something different. But yeah, it is George Michaels. Anyway, in 1988, and again in 1991, he focused on. Uh, and I guess I should step back. You guys remember? I think he was on Sunday nights. I think it was on WGM, like after the 10 o'clock news. Yeah, Does that I think you're right. right. Yeah, because his his outro line was "Make sure you wake me up before you go go." <laughs> nice uh, i think i just found my uh patreon music for this episode but yeah he focused on the world freefall convention he had video from the world freefall convention again uh 88 and 91 and then also i didn't find the clip but we do know that the discovery channel uh also i think it was the discovery channel it might have been a different but one of the networks was here in quincy during one of the freefalls too and letting guys skydive from the blimp that they brought into Quincy for that that year. year. And if you guys want, yeah, you want more information, you can go check out our uh, World Free Fall Convention episode to learn about that. But yeah, George Michael's Sports Machine. The music was pretty intense too, if memory serves. Not being a sports fan, as soon as I heard that music, I was like, all right, click. (laughs) I know, me too. too. (laughs) Oh man. All right, Travis, you are up. All right, I'm sorting through. I think uh, we had a lot of duplicates on these lists, obviously, going forward. I think I'll go ahead and uncork the whole uh there were several on this one this was be of course all the the headlines that were made in the coverage of the the curtis loveless investigation here in town there was a couple here i'll start off with the one i was looking at it was a 48 hours on cbs and this is pretty recent it, it feels like it was even i don't know it feels like so recent but i guess it was 2016 is what i have as its release date and the episode title was What Did the Children See? It might have been a, a segment title, rather, on 48 Hours. In the 1980s, Curtis Loveless made headlines as a star athlete and scholar at Quincy, Illinois High School. Curtis Loveless was a very hardworking kid, smart kid, who uh, went to the University of Illinois. The fight in the line, I haven't won. Local journalist Bob Goff. I mean, Quincy, Illinois doesn't produce a lot of Big Ten players. The offensive line, Kurt Lovelace. You know, I think everybody knows that whole situation with the Loveless trial and everything else. But there was a couple other things you guys found, right? Yeah. Um, so his second murder trial drew national headlines in 48 Hours. It was here, and this was in 2008. They had a, an entire episode titled Death on Valentine's Day. And that aired in August of 2018, right after the trial ended with his acquittal. And Dateline was also here. But it didn't air until the following year. When was that? It was like a January or something. I'm looking on my sheet here. Dateline. I believe it was was October. So I remember it was a few months after. But what I remember from that is Maureen Maher was the correspondent for 48 Hours. She just left CBS News. She was great too. But she came and she sat in the courtroom many, many days. Not every day. The folks from Dateline sent a producer to sit in there. And then they sent a reporter to kind of cover it. But 48 Hours seemed very much intertwined with this coverage. And so I, I watched both episodes and, um, you know, both interesting. I'm talking Dateline and 48 Hours. I just kind of like the 48 Hours better because I was able to meet Maureen when she was here. And I just felt like they were a little bit more invested in, uh, in the reporting than the folks from Dateline. But nothing against Dateline at all. It was still a, an intriguing episode. All right. So that covers that one, I believe. Chad, are you? So that's me. And we're doing this one in one more or is this the last one? We'll do one more okay. rotation. Okay. Then I will keep with the crime and go with uh, Michael Swango. There were a couple episodes there as well, but one was Untouchable Power Corrupts and it was based off the serial killer. You guys just did your last episode was on Michael Swango. This was 
stories of, of what he did here. And again, you guys just did this. I don't want to reiterate a whole lot, but he never, no one here ever died. Thankfully um, he did that elsewhere, but there's also a book, not necessarily a TV show, but it's uh, called blind eye, the terrifying story of a doctor who got away with murder written by Quincy native James B. Stewart, who's now in uh, New York, but he wrote the book based on Michael Swango's time. So I think that's interesting as well. Again, not television, but something certainly on the national front. Especially with being local, I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, we'll have that in our show notes if anybody's interested in taking a look at that. Uh, we'll have that in our show notes. I didn't know that there was a Quincy native that uh, actually did a book. So um, we'll have to check his that dad, out. dad, Chris, I don't know because you worked at WGM. His dad was Ben Stewart and Ben worked, oh, okay, yeah. ben worked at KHQA when I first started. Oh, okay. Awesome, yeah, awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah, for sure. Man, small world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we had a lot on Swango. Uh, there's a lot out there. I will say the good thing about this untouchable one that was on Investigation Discovery is back in 2015. And there was a lot of local interviews on there. And I'll tell you what, guys, if you were really interested in the last episode that we did, go check that out because it, it gives you kind of the same story. And I don't think we messed up much, but it gives you more details than what we were able to do and what time we had. So definitely check it out because you'll, you'll learn and a little bit more out of it and especially when they got into the background of exactly how it all went down in Quincy with the donuts and the tea and all that weird stuff all that is actually in that episode mm. so uh, really in, you're hearing it from first person accounts and, and even the I said something about soda in our, our last episode I thought that was at their like break room and actually they were uh, Swango and this other guy were at either a QHS or a QND football game as an EMT. Oh no! And what happened was was that Swango said, "Hey, do you want a soda? I'm going to go get a soda." And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll take I'll get a soda. Take a soda." So he went and got sodas for him. Came back and within like a half an hour, the guy got sick and started uh, vomiting. Uh, so he drugged him at one of the high school football games that night. Mm. Crazy stuff. So go check that out. Uh, Investigation Discovery. We'll have a link for that on our website. That you can check out as well are we on our last rotation then i guess so i think so yeah so i'll start it out i'm going to start out as i do with pretty much all these with the one thing and the reason why we're doing this episode is because of me catching something along these lines on another show <laughs> and out of all these this is the only okay you could say paranormal state might be fiction but this is the only true fiction show on our list the show Superstore. Have you guys seen this show? No. I have, but I don't religiously watch, but I did enjoy the first couple of seasons. It is hilarious. Uh, I would highly recommend it. We, You get into the first few episodes that it's not very funny, but boy, as you go along, it becomes extremely funny. Anyway, if you're not aware of what Superstore is, Superstore is about this uh, big box store that's located in St. Louis, and they're very influenced in st louis culture i believe they uh, talk about like chesterfield and they talk about the arch and there's pictures in the background of the arch it's not real but you, you, they make it st louis anyway in that episode there's been multiple episodes in this series where they make reference to the quincy store i mean my guess is they're looking at soft factors like aesthetics and customer experience oh boy you think they're gonna be looking at the quincy store we're up against the Quincy Cloud Nine, the jewel of St. Louis. The whole place is so clean and beautiful, and they got the skylight and the fresh cut flowers, and their customers are so pleasant to look at. I mean, not one of them makes you wince when you see them. How do they do that? 
it's funny because they reference about how nice the people are in Quincy and reference how nice the store is in Quincy. And it's just, it's so funny listening to a, you know, a random sitcom making an impression, talking about uh, the Quincy store, you know, the fictional Quincy store. So I, I had to put that on, on my list as, as being the coolest one, because that's the reason why this all got started was because I was like, Oh my gosh, they just mentioned Quincy. Well, Chris, since you like rabbit holes, if you would like to go digging, I suggest you look at their credits or pull up their IMDb page and look at the entire staff and see. And I bet somewhere on the writer in the in the in the writing credit or associate producer or something, there's somebody from Quincy. Oh, okay, all right. Challenge accepted. Or do you know that for a fact? (laughs) I I don't, and I only say that because my mom went to school years ago with a gentleman. His name I think is Stephen Miller. And uh, his brother was actually my PE teacher in grade school, but he went to Hollywood and, and did some writing for like Evening Shade, which was a show in the 80s with yeah, Reynolds. Um, gosh, he did all kinds of stuff, uh, Magna P.I. And uh, so every once in a while, he'd sneak in stuff from the Midwest or from Missouri or from Hannibal or, or something. So I'm, I'm betting somebody there with a connection since they're saying people in Quincy are so nice. There's... There's somebody local there, I bet. Interesting, interesting. They'll have to take a look at that. Maybe we'll talk about that uh, a little more at our season review. But yeah, uh, check out Superstore. Travis, you are up for your last Oh, I'm torn. I know Chad and I both have one in common remaining, and I don't want to steal any thunder. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, because I got a backup. No, that's okay. I'll I'll go with a little little drier, and it was the purpose was to keep things dry when at the time senator barack obama visited quincy i believe on the campaign trail from he was looking to be the democratic shoe-in for the 2008 election which of course he he did end up winning that was in 2008 it was pretty dry it was on cnn there's some clips on youtube and it's it's him you know taking questions from the media as he's filling uh, you know some sandbags very very political candidate for, you know, I mean, <laughs> idealistic, you know, campaign trail video. But, uh, yeah, it was a uh, little, you know, did he know that he would soon be the first uh, black president? Fun fact on that one is, so I covered that when he was there and we were told by his campaign folks from the media, do not ask him any questions. This is a photo op only. So oh, really? I'm a rule follower. So I was not going to ask any questions. And someone yelled out from the media and asked him if he'd ever done anything like this before. Oh yeah. Not the greatest question in the world. (laughs) So he gets, he gets some little answer of like, yes, I have or something. Cause at the time he was the Senator in Illinois. Right. Yeah. So then I'm like, well, if he's going to ask a question, then I'm going to yell at a question. So I asked him, I said, what words of advice do you have to folks who do this every day where, you know, you're just coming in to do this for the photo op. I didn't say that part, but you know, folks who are out here filming sandbags day in and day out, what, what do you have to say to them? And that's the soundbite that was used by CNN, CBS, NBC. That came from yours truly. Oh, Oh, (laughs) good stuff. Well, and actually, you know what? That lines me up for a question I did want to ask you, Chad. With your history, have you ever had any national like stuff? I mean, you obviously had that, mm-hmm. but were you ever vo- – did you have any voice stuff or did you have any visual like you were actually on TV? Do you remember? Um, gosh, I would have to think. You would think I would remember that. I will say I know I do have a credit in the 48 Hours Curtis Loveless episode because they used some of my video and um, – my friend and coworker at the time, Jenny Dreisler, was the person who covered it for us and really developed a personal relationship with Maureen Maher with 48 Hours. And I did a lot of interviews with Jenny and did the camera work. And so I got a credit, a camera credit on that, 
on 48 hours. Oh, um, nice. I'm trying to think. I, gosh, I'd have were, to think if there's ever any time I was. Did you ever make the meme trail with the coverage of the shooting victim? <laughs> <laughs> I believe you're the one that pitched to the reporter, right? Um, yeah. yeah. Give, give us a little um, taste if people don't remember. <laughs> um, so that was a, a shooting. That's a fun story, too. Um, it was a shooting of Devon Hawkins was the victim in that shooting. And so our reporter, Raina Harvey, literally her first week on the job. Oh my um, she started Monday. It was a Friday morning and I was the managing editor at the time. And so I pulled her aside and I said, do you feel safe going? And she's like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, mm, I do. And I was like, again, no repercussions. You're not going to get in any trouble. If you do not feel safe, I'm not going to send you because at this time we're thinking it's an active scene. Right, right. And so mm -hmm. she's confident she's going to go. I'm like, all right, I'm going to trust that you're going to go. If you ever feel unsafe, get out of there. So she goes, she does the first live shot and it's pretty generic. I'm here. There's police tape. I'm finding out what's going on. And then in our B block, the second block of the news, she comes on and she says, you know, I talked to the victim and he told me this. And all of a sudden Devon walks up. There he is. And yeah. yeah. And so then you see the interaction that's now gone viral. What kind of faces were being made in the studio when he I'm walks so up? I'm so glad you asked that, Travis, because <laughs> people come up to me to this day and they'll be like, how are you not dying laughing? And at the time, it was not funny. No, because I'm sitting here going, I, vanity. he did, he dropped and I, I heard one word and I'm, I'm telling people in control, I'm like, you got to cut this. It wasn't until later I heard another word that was dropped, but it was, I was concerned because I'm like, I've never seen this happen where a person walks into the live shot and you see the interaction between the two. Also, we got a little flack from public saying, like, you shouldn't have sent her into an unsafe place. There were police still on scene. Right. What you see on camera is just what the camera shows you. She was perfectly safe. And again, we always told our people, if you ever feel safe, your life is not worth a news story. There's no repercussions whatsoever. Sure. So that's why when it comes back to me after that interview, you see the look on my face because the, the right. people ask me, like, what were you thinking? I'm like, exactly what you saw is what I was thinking. And then it was after the fact that it started to get like, okay, this is pretty humorous. But at the time, it it was not funny. No, I at bet all. not. Wow. And that's that thing with live TVs. You just never know. I'm sure you could always have something like that right. happen. Well, <laughs> and Raina comes back to the station, and I'm like, girl, you are five days in, and you you will not have this again. <laughs> wow. You're five wow. days in your career. She's now in um, Oakland, California, by the way. So maybe she is having that again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you never yeah. know. I doubt it. But <laughs> she. Um, <laughs> She went to Bakersfield to be closer to family, and then she got a job in Oakland, and we still stay in touch. And I, it's so it's so nice when you see folks spread their wings and and do great things in that career. Yeah, I chose to stay here; my family's here. I never really had aspirations to go bigger, but when you have coworkers and friends who do that, it's so awesome to see. That's great. Well, and I think it it le leads some credence into those who have stayed around and stayed local. You know, you're a perfect example of that, you know, I think of, of Natalie over WGEM. I mean, yeah. she's local. She's grown up in the area. I mean, I, I did high school plays with her in high school. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, she's very local. Uh, but, you know, I think that says a lot. And it's ironic you bring it up because that I don't remember his name again, but the guy we were talking about that when we were looking at the, uh, the airplane crash. Oh, Brian Bolter. He brought up that how he was so impressed with like certain people that are still at 
KHUA and they've stayed local and, and stayed true to staying, you know, in the area. Mm-hmm. He brought that up in his in his interview about that. So I think it goes both ways. It's really neat to see those people succeed, but it's also neat to have that tradition of those people that stayed around and been, you know, loyal and, and loved being in, in the Quincy area. I think it says a lot, too. Yeah, I, I agree. So sorry to get off on tangent. I no wanted fun. to ask you that before we got to your final one. So now we are up to the final one. And Chad, you get the honor. Oh, good. Drum roll. (laughs) (laughs) I chose a queer eye when they came to Quincy back in 2019. Jonathan Van Ness, the whole thing was to come back to his hometown. They redid Kathy Dooley, which was one of his favorite uh, teachers. They redid the the teacher's lounge over there, and it just shined a lot of good publicity on Quincy. Once a Blue Devil cheerleader, always a Blue Devil cheerleader. Back in the day, I was one of the first male cheerleaders in Quincy's history. You ready? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for this. <laughs> Walking back into the high school that I did all of my high school cheer tryouts in is a very surreal feeling. Come on, Johnny, lead the way. We're back in high school. You go back to look at some of these episodes of the 48 Hours and the Paranormal State, and you even brought up Relentless with uh, Hannibal, but any publicity is good publicity for a community. Even if it's bad, you can still bet there's people that are going to come check it out because you know there's folks out there who are true crimers, and so they might visit to, to see, oh, well, this is where that happened. But when you get a show like Queer Eye that comes and does such great publicity and, and benefits the locals, the local stores, what a great thing. And that episode yeah. was just, I mean, if you didn't watch that and, and feel good about this community, I, I, I don't know. I thought it was a great episode and a, and a great way to shine a light on Quincy. Absolutely. Yeah, Travis, you had this on your list as well, and uh, I, I I loved the episode. I think it was a great. You couldn't have said it better, Chad. I think it was a great episode, and not only that. And I mentioned this about a couple others, but I get goosebumps, and it's just so cool when you're watching some of this stuff and you see places that you know. I mean, even with like Relentless and Hannibal, it's so neat when you see, you know, see somebody driving down the interstate and you're like well that's an interstate i drive down every day you know it's so neat to have that local appeal of seeing something on national television or or some sort of national you know syndication that uh gets you that option of seeing something that's uh right here in uh, your own backyard probably something the three of us get like relentless you see her driving on the interstate from quincy you know like i see home depot in the background and they're talking about hannibal i'm like she's 25 minutes away (laughs) or um queer eye when they're driving down main street and you see the tangerine bowl off and then the next shot you see um like the khk studios which are close together but we know that that conversation was edited (laughs) because they don't they're not on the same street yeah and that's kind of cool to to have that local appeal of knowing what's going on right and the other people are just thinking it's just a normal city that they're looking at so well this has been a cool list uh guys i you know i was a little bit concerned about how this was going to play out but i mean i had a lot of fun doing this yeah same here i always have fun. absolutely (laughs) well we appreciate it well chad i think hopefully we'll have you on for a patreon episode coming up again so we can dig in a little bit more about uh your meme days and uh, <laughs> uh, some other stuff as well. But uh, we appreciate you coming on and talking with us. Uh, we've had a great time. Same, and I appreciate the invite. Well, this has been a look at Quincy on TV. We'll be back with more on Wild Quincy after this. Sammy Davis, Tony Bennett, even Michael Bolton's in it. Gloria Sally, Frank and Ringo. Aretha Paul and Sarah Vaughn, Pearl and Winton, the list goes on. Years and years of names and faces just get better when the place is the Jerry Lewis MDA Labor Day Telethon. See stuff!
stars, be there! Travis, I know that you remember back in those days with uh, Jerry Lewis and the MDA Telethon. Absolutely. I I watched my fair share. It's fun to think. It's weird, actually. I only knew Jerry Lewis uh, because of the MDA Telethon. Dude, did you always think that that was the, his main yeah, thing? I had like, no. You didn't know he. Yeah. Not until years later did I discover the whole back catalog of his early comedic work, and like, wow, that dude was really funny. He wasn't just that old guy doing the the, the show. Speaking of old guy, he he hung on to be ninety one years old. Chris, he passed wow. away in twenty seventeen. What any Jeez. memories of this whole telethon or anything of that nature? You know, as as we were playing that, and obviously, if you guys are listening to this right when it's coming out, I mean, Labor Day is just around the corner. I think it's uh, next week. You know, it's neat thinking back, and you know, I never. So here's my deal with the the telethon. I used to watch it a lot when I was growing up and I was a kid. But when the Jerry Lewis stuff came on, the national stuff came on, it wasn't as interesting to me as the local stuff. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. I would, because, you know, as, as I got older, I started knowing more and more people. And then I was always looking for like the people I know or, or, oh, there's Aunt Penny in the background answering phones, you know, and things like that. So you started paying more attention to that sort of of thing. Not just that, but you had that silver-tongued fox, Corey McCluskey, knocking it out of the park on a local level most of the time anyways. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, boom, there it is. There's just a lot more thrill into having the locals. And, you know, uh, I remember, I was, and help me try to remember this, Travis, I remember that they were at the, were they at the Oakley Lindsay Center in the later years? That sounds right. I can't say that for a fact, but I'm not sure where they were before that. That's what I was trying to figure out. Huh, that's great. Was it? Hmm, I have no idea. Was it Morrison Theater? Maybe. That would have been a good place. I, I yeah. can't say that was even, that my finger wasn't even near the pulse of that uh, line of thought back then. Of course, the MDA Telethon was around for a long time, and longer than I ever thought, as it had a run of 49 years. That's impressive. I mean, that's wild to think about. 49 years. Well, where's yeah. the Simpsons at? They're coming up on... They're in their 30s. Yeah, they might They're like 35-ish, think they, think they'll make it to 49? I don't know. Probably. We'll see. I mean, because they we'll just see. keep swapping people out. I mean, yeah. That's yeah. True. But uh, so back in the day, the telethon would broadcast for 21 and a half hours. They would start on Sunday evening, preceding Labor Day, and then they would continue on until Monday afternoon. And then they would end in Monday evening, usually around, it seemed like it was around 6 p.m. local time when they ended for the show but it, they kept switching back if you guys aren't familiar with this and if you're, you're a little bit younger don't remember it they would they would do some national stuff then they'd come back locally and wgm always had that and then they would go back to the national broadcast and they raise funds and always uh, was very successful in doing that and always did good here in the quincy area it seems like they always raised a lot of money i always remember Corey and shan whiston just dressed to the yeah. nines yeah. You know, just doing their thing. It was a good time. And I know you guys that listen, I'm going to go ahead and do this as a, as a throw out as well, uh, because I know that somebody we were talking a while back is uh, one of our throwback ads. I think it was with Doc. I was like, if you know Doc, send him a message and let him know. Here's another request for you guys. If you know Shan Winston and you can touch base with Shan, let her know we're looking for her. 
because we would love to have her on for an episode. That would of be a fun. Wild Quincy. That would be a lot yeah. of fun. We, we we're trying to track her down. We've been kind of looking uh, looking for her, and uh, so we'd love to have Shan come on and do an episode. So if you know her, give her a call. Say, man, these two wild guys that are on this weird podcast called Wild Quincy have uh, called out for Shan. We're harmless. <laughs> we're harmless. Well, most part. Uh, so <laughs> the only thing I do want to point out real quick is that it did end in uh, night or excuse me 2014 it was the last airing that happened the taping actually took place during may and june of 2014 in los angeles and as well as in nashville and then they they kind of put it on during the labor day so it kind of completely changed formats yeah yeah jerry lewis got out of it i I, I, there's so much detail you guys can go find online about this but jerry lewis got out of it and then they tried to continue on it never really was that successful he was the heart and soul of that yeah exactly i mean how do you have a mda telethon without jerry lewis you don't you don't. In 2016, excuse me, 2015, the MDA announced that uh, their 2014 show was the last broadcast. And uh, the president at that time noted that the move was influenced by the new realities of television viewing. And I'm not going to say it because I can't say the words. Philanthropic. Uh, uh, there you go. Uh, the, the philanthropic giving. Uh, that's what I was trying to say. Your, your uh, mouth makes an incredible like shape when you try and say that word. I love it. Go on, Chris. Uh, they noted the viral success of things like the Ice Bucket Challenge. Man, can you believe the Ice Bucket Challenge was seven years ago? <laughs> that doesn't seem possible. Wow. No, it doesn't. So they wanted to kind of focus on some of those out-of-the-box thinking uh, to raise funds for the MDA. And of course, uh, that was also the end of the MDA telethon. So there you go. We got it. I hear. Speaking of giving. Yeah, speaking of giving, you, we're on the same uh, segue train there. <laughs> there are some rumblings, Chris, about the Patreon side of things here on Wild Quincy. The wild things, the ones who walk on the wild side. They, we had a very fun going uh, outgoing event. Outgoing, I can't really speak. Outing would be the word, uh, where we did some mini golf, sure. did some levee wa- walker watching, and we have some fall plans that will be announced soon. Do you know anything about this, Chris? I don't want to say too much. I just know that you will have to once again warm up the putter, uh, and then maybe have to uh, bring a lawn chair. That's all I'll say. Ooh, that's that leaves it wide open, but I like I like it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if, if you haven't and you've been considering becoming a Patreon member of Wild Quincy, becoming a wild thing, now would be a great time to get in on that so you don't miss out on a fun opportunity coming up here. Probably what in the next month, month and a half, two months. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're ironing out some details. Probably have an announcement coming up soon. But jump over there a few bucks a month, unlock a whole nother set of episodes that you're not getting right now. Get that full pie, baby. Get that full pie. Don't settle for just a piece <laughs> of it. Um, but no, uh, we do appreciate everybody and everybody's support, and it should be a good time. All right, Travis, I, I, I've been scratching my head for a while on this one, and I'm not sure I know the answer, but let's do the question of the day. Give it to us That's again. right. Here it is. Which small Adams County town served as home to the Adams County Alms House or Adams County Poorhouse? In the late 1800s until the early 1900s, you got four options. A, Marceline, B, Kellerville, C, Lorraine, or D, Coatesburg. Any thoughts, Chris? Ooh, yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dissect this a little bit. Mar- there isn't a Marceline in Adams County. 
I believe it just sneaks under the. Uh, maybe you're right. Maybe I picked the wrong. Co- is that Brown County? <laughs> uh, I think so. <laughs> okay, I, I, so I'll, we'll do the who the uh, the uh, ask a well, billionaire. Well, don't change it because that gives me an option to eliminate. Yeah, something. You, you got. I'll give you that. I'm gonna go with. You know, I thought Lorraine at first. Um, that's Northern Adams County, but you know, it wasn't until you just said it that it kind of hit me in a spot. Ooh. It it just kind of and I, I just when you said it, I was like that one sounds interesting. Uh, as my uh, wild things know, I love that word. Uh, I'm gonna go with Coatesburg. Well, Chris, you would be correct. Oh! What a guess! I, that was a legitimate guess. We didn't talk about this at all. No, ten points. That was great. Yes, that's right. The Adams County Almshouse or the Adams County Poorhouse was located in Coatesburg. You might be asking. Why are we talking about this, Chris? Why are we talking about See, that, Travis? It's a great thing to ask. I'll tell you, Chris. Uh, this this poor house or alms house, it was called. It was built and it was meant to be like a temporary place of lodging for those who were like poor or destitute or just had were dealt a rough hand in life. It wasn't meant to be a long term care facility. Unfortunately, there were a lot of mentally ill individuals who had nowhere else to go. Maybe they didn't have any family. And so these poor souls kind of got stuck in this place where the caretakers had no experience or basically no idea what to do for these people who were in like some horrible states of mental illness and fits. One young woman named Rhoda Derry, who lived between around here between Ursa and Lima, suffered unspeakable offenses while at this institution when she got in there in 1860. And the results of her time there, Chris, they're just straight up chilling, like horrific. It's a tale of love, witchcraft, disfigurement, and eventually a little bit of compassion. This was all over the local newspapers back in the time. This was a huge, even though it took place outside of Quincy, the topic itself was so discussed among Quincy and elsewhere. We're going to talk about that next while Quincy. When you first hear about this, you think it's going to be a carnival funhouse type of thing, and it quickly sounds like it's turning into something else. So we will uh, dig deep into that in our next episode coming up in just a few weeks. Travis, before we wrap things up, are we missing anything? I think we covered it all, Chris. We appreciate Chad coming on again. He's always a fun guest to have, and I'm sure we'll chat with him more in the future. For Chad Douglas, as Travis just mentioned, and Travis Hoffman, I'm Chris Ketters. You've been listening to Wild Quincy. We'll catch you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Wild Quincy is released every other Tuesday and is produced by Chris Ketters and Travis Hoffman. Sound designed by Downdraft Sound and Editing and music by Travis Hoffman Music. I'm Bo Beecraft, and thanks for listening to Wild Quincy. Wild Quincy.